Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing this morning? Wow, did you see the sunshine come walking in here this morning? Sherry, I love you. You are so awesome. I'm so glad you came this morning. The sunshine comes out. I I start laughing and grinning. See what? See the power you have over people. I love it. It's great to see you. How many love this woman? Woohoo! Brian Bragg said he thought I was talking about him. <laughs> all right. Well, it's great to be here this morning. Thank you for all coming out. I- I'm excited about this week. We have preachers coming from all over. I got a couple announcements real quick. Uh, let's see. Potluck today right after assembly. If you're going to be able to stay, that'd be great. I, th- I had it on. Am I am, am I just loud? Am I on now? Okay, I can just see in John chapter, uh, what would it be? John chapter 25, like there's a chapter 25, and Jesus turned on his mic. Okay, I don't think so. Anyway, there's a potluck right after assembly this morning for those who are able to stay, and God has given us a little bit of sunshine to do work outside and inside as well to get ready for uh, uh, Oregon Family Camp. Uh, Sunday night is going to be here, and uh, there's gonna, there's a hundred, hundred and four, probably more uh, that are going to be coming out. So we're gonna have to kind of do a little bit of scrunching in here. So I don't know who's cleaning up in here, but a little scrunching program ought to be going on. It'd be great. Uh, when I say scrunching, more more chairs. Uh, also, too, for those who are traveling out to Oregon Family Camp early to set up, I I was put on the list as the leader. Your fearful leader will, your fearless leader will be out there at three o'clock. If you want to come out and help, that'd be great. Lots to do. Oh, good news. We are having full city coffee once again this year. Uh, Lisa, the owner there, loves me and she, she gave me the perfect amount of bags of coffee. So come and enjoy the world's greatest coffee. Uh, anyway, so Friday night, seven o'clock is when our first preacher starts and then the last amen out at camp is going to be about uh, 12.30-ish. And then we're coming down here uh, Sunday night next week, 6 o'clock right here, because we're going to have some little fellowship afterwards too. So anyway, with that, are there any other announcements? Okay, we're going to sing happy birthday to the little hooky girl. She skipped out last week. Where did she go? Oh. We'll all wait to sing her happy birthday. But we need to sing to Scott, too. Oh, yeah, Scott. Well, he skipped out. Oh, there he is, Scott. Welcome to the club, Scott. What club is that, by the way? The 50 Club. Give it up for Scott. You know, when I turned 50, I didn't have any hair. Man, you are doing good. You're doing great. All right. Oh, Julie. <laughs> Happy birthday, Julie. You are so awesome. Did I already sing to her? Oh, man. Are you kidding me, aren't you? Man. Oh, how many of you know who uh, uh, Anya Tovpinets is? Anne. Anybody know Anne? Who knows Anne? Man, you should know her. We've been praying for her. We prayed for her aunt this morning. She is watching all the way from Belarus. Isn't that wild? So Anne, we're singing happy birthday. She's 23 uh, two days from now. 
So we're going to sing for Anne and for Scott and man, Julie, I wanted to sing to you again. You want to sing to her? Okay, Julie, we're singing to you once again. Sorry, here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. All right, here we go. Let's see. Braxton, come on. Come on, Braxton. I love you, guy. You're so awesome. Oh, and you got one for him. You got it. Good. All right. Here we go. Ellen and Liberty, it is a great source of encouragement to see you faithfully assembling with and encouraging others. You are a blessing. Let's give it up for them. Woohoo! All right. I don't know, Chris and Christine, did you feel the love from Liberty this morning? Man, she's awesome. All right, here we go. Ty Bragg. Ty Bragg. I praise God that you are growing into a fine man of God who loves and serves him. Thank you for helping with a great attitude. Let's go for Ty. All right, here we go. Julie, with an exclamation point. I wonder who wrote this one. Thank you for being such a wonderful example of Christ to others, and I'm so thankful to be working with you to share the gospel with your sister. Woohoo! Give it up for Julie. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think you'll know who this one's from. Chris and Christine, it's so nice to meet you. You two are so sweet, and I'm happy to have you. Now, you know what the bummer of this one is? Is I was going to write one too, but then I said, oh, somebody beat me to it. Let's give it for Chris and Christine. Great to have you this morning. All right. Ellie. I didn't write this one, you're safe. Ellie, it is always great to see your beautiful smile. You are a ray of sunshine. Well, I would have written that. Let's give it up for Ellie. Woohoo! All right, Pam. How many agree that Pam is one of the most sweetest women in the whole wide world? Man. Let's give it up for her. Woo! Yeah. I, I really love it because, you know, she hasn't been able to do what she normally does for Oregon Family Camp, but she's kind of giddy because there's a lot of other people that love her so much that they're stepping up to help. Isn't that awesome? See what happens when you're sweet? People come out and help you. Pam, thank you for all your work. I love you. Let's see, let me try this again. And this is very neat. Thank you for all your work. I love you. Okay, maybe I'm reading this wrong. I love you. Putting in, putting into organizing food for everyone at family camp. You are such a great example of serving the saints. You're amazing. Let's give it up for Pam once again. The Bible says that it's the, it's the very meek and gentle who are going to inherit the earth and win hearts. And that's what Pam has done for so many. Alan, you're becoming such a wonderful man of God, growing in faith and leading your family and drawing near to God. Can I hear an amen on that one? Amen. amen. Woohoo! I so appreciate your willingness to serve the saints where, whenever needed with the cutest grin on your face. You know who wrote this one, don't you? You're really a great husband, too. 
Oh my goodness, that's great. Well, Pam, you're the rock star this morning. Here it is. Pam Weibert, it is so good to see you healing and maintaining a positive attitude through health challenges. I appreciate your encouragement. Once again, Pam, we love you. Woo! All right. Are there any others? Okay. All right. Grab your Bibles. Oh, and by the way, how many of you have these stuck in your Bible? These quotes stuck in your Bible? Okay, we're going to refer to that once again. And uh, Chris, do you have one of these? Okay, Jake, could you go grab one for, for Chris and Christine? Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Well, let's grab our Bibles and let's turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. And many of you know I love reading Proverbs every day. You know, does anybody else need one? I know there's extra ones. Are there extra ones out there, Jake? All right, Sherry. I'm sorry, Sherry. That's the last one. Okay. All right. Okay. Proverbs chapter 1. Look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Now, these are not the only places that this, this statement or these statements are being made. Proverbs chapter 9 in verse 10. This is a beautiful one. It includes knowledge as well. The same knowledge as we just read. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's pray. Our Holy Father in heaven, how thankful we are, dear Lord God, for the rich blessings that you've granted to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, as we work through the year to understand uh, and to over, uh, overwhelmingly conquer the fears of man, those fears that Satan uses to, to, to really immobilize us from serving you, the fear of death, the fear of man, the fear of suffering, the fear of poverty, uh, and then how many other fears are there, dear Heavenly Father? Insecurities, failures, the fear of failure. Father, I pray that you would help us to know that the fear of yourself, fearing you, Father, as the scripture directs us to, culminates in perfect love, casting out every fear that mankind could have. Help us to recognize through this year, this, this journey, that fearing you is not just being terrified, uh, if we come short of, of your beautiful standard, but knowing that your son Jesus Christ in us produces that man or woman of integrity, loved by you and empowered by you. Heavenly Father, your children, as we serve you with a heart that is, is in awe and adores you, and loves you and is deeply thankful, overflowing with gratitude, as the speaker, the preacher this morning said, for all that you have done for us and all that you are doing for us and all that you promise to do, Father. Truly the fear of you is a reverential awe and adoration that causes us to humble our hearts and serve you every moment with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Help us to see that once again. This morning, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're going to quickly just review the first two points uh, this morning and uh, how important that is that we get through it so we can get to 
the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But let's begin by remembering what this particular word, fear of the Lord, fear, in these two passages of Scripture is talking about. It actually means to be in such awe of the greatness of our God that we recognize that all things in this life have been created by him and for him. All things have an order, and if we humble ourselves to that order, then we see the beauty of truth in our lives. And I'm going to give some examples uh, this morning when we talk about wisdom, of what is being espoused as wisdom in the world, and yet when we turn our minds to the word of God, knowing that God created all things, there is true wisdom in God, and we can apply that to our lives. And so it's the, the awe and adoration and the humble servitude out of love. How many know there's a difference between serving someone out of duty versus some, uh, serving someone out of devotion? How many of you want to be a leader that people serve out of devotion? The difference is what? Duty is I have to. And if I don't, I'm going to get whacked. Devotion is I so love and appreciate the leadership and the absolute constancy and character of the leader. I will serve him or her in true adoration, love, and appreciation. Many of you have had coaches or teachers or parents who were that kind of leader, but we've also had the others that were just title mongers and they wanted to make people cower to serve. Those are terrible leaders. That's not our God. That's not our Father in heaven. That's not our spiritual husband. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God so loved the world that he gave everybody the opportunity to get out of this mess by crushing his son. Does that sound like a God who is waiting to whack you in judgment or one who is waiting for you to come to your senses and come back home so he can really love on you and fill you with the power and the confidence that only he can? You see, that's, that is this, this fear, this reverential fear. It's relational, like father and son or father and daughter. I've never had a daughter, and I know Anne is watching uh, this morning, and there's been a couple times that you know her service to our Father in heaven just overwhelms me. And I had the privilege of teaching her and immersing her into Christ, and now to see her reaching out to others and helping me makes a spiritual father proud. And I get choked up sometimes when I think that God used this dirt clod to help this beautiful young woman become a Christian and now she's touching hearts of others in Belarus. It's amazing. And so now moving on to knowledge. What, what is this knowledge? The, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, you can't know truth and reality unless it's based upon God's standard and his creation. So if you don't believe that God is, you're not going to believe that there's necessarily any order in the universe. But I love these two pages here that clearly teach that when a man or a woman, but in this case a man, 
believes that God is the omnipresent, omniscient, om, uh, omnipotent, or all-powerful God, that the world is organ, organized, has specific order. I want you to take a look at Sir Isaac Newton. Look at the first and the third statement. This man back in the, the 17th, uh, late 17th century, early uh, uh, 19th, or 17th century and early 18th century. This guy's the one that discovered gravity. You're saying he wasn't the one who discovered gravity. God created it, others experienced it, but he's the one that actually was able to mathematically quantify it. And now we know what gravity is. And now we know why the impact it has on us, it has on us. Oh, by the way, the three laws of motion. Of course, our, our brother Jeff back there talks about the second law of motion in his own terms. Just don't ever have him run into you. You'll know what he, I'm talking about. But if you know the second law of motion, you know Jeff loves that one. But he, I don't know if you've improved it or maybe tweaked it a little bit. I don't know. But, but notice, what, notice what Sir Isaac Newton said. Gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain who sets the planets in motion. He's telling us something about himself. That though he discovered the mathematics behind gravity, he knew that because God, the sovereign God, is a God of order, that we could know. Now let's take a look at this one. The, the third statement the second one is awesome too and from true lordship it follows that the true god is living intelligent and powerful from other perfections that he is supreme or supremely perfect he is eternal and infinite omnipotent meaning all-powerful omniscient meaning all-knowing that is he endures from eternity to eternity he is present from infinity to infinity he rules all things and he knows all things that happen or can happen. If you're an atheistic scientist, you do not believe that there is order in the universe. Now, I gave a whole bunch of DVDs uh, I loaned. I better share my term there. Loaned. I don't want him to think he's the only Loaned a bunch of videos. And there's one particular video where there are like six or seven scientists who were once atheists. They believed that there was, everything was random chance. There was no order in the universe. And then as they really begin to study and they begin to meditate, they've come to an intelligent design position, meaning there is an intelligent designer outside of the physical universe that built perfect order into our world. That's why Johann Kepler was able to mathematically discover the elliptical pattern of planets around the sun and could know at any point in time where a planet would be. And he did that mathematically in his head using geometry. Sorry for those people who hate geometry. Using geometry to know at any point in time on any day where the planets would be in the solar system. NASA still uses his mathematical calculations. As I said last week, we're shooting or putting a manned spaceship, spaceship uh, to Mars here. That's what they're planning. How are they going to know where Mars is when they launch? Thank you, Johann Kepler. 
for knowing where Mars is going to be. Wouldn't it be terrible we shoot our guys up there and they show up and go, huh, that one didn't work. Well, those guys didn't use Johann Kepler's mathematics from the 15th and 16th century. That's the problem. Those men both believed in the sovereign God, that he is a God of order. Now, do we believe that? Because once they believed that, then they were searching for order in the physical universe. Is it possible for us to search for order in the spiritual universe of relationships? Honestly, I have to be honest with you. I love that these great men discovered the natural, many natural laws and were able to quantify them. But you know what's more important to me? Because I'm not a big science dude. I want to know the spiritual laws of relationships. I want to know the wisdom on how to work with people so that I can help them, so they trust me. I want to know how to be trustworthy. All of those laws, those beautiful, ordered laws of the spiritual world are found in the scripture. And if you use those, you know them, and then you use them wisely, it's amazing what happens in your life and in the lives of others. And so let's turn to point number three. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We need to recognize this word fear is the exact same word as, as what we have been looking at. Uh, it's a reverential fear. And notice in point three, the beginning of wisdom. Uh, the word, therefore, the beginning is different than the beginning of knowledge, but it means pretty much the same. Now, many of you know that the first day of creation, God created the, the uh, gospel of glory. This plan of salvation. And then he laid the physical universe into place to, for mankind. Now, that word here, beginning, means at the beginning. It means something is done for the first time. It's rather interesting if you go to the, the book of Proverbs and, and chapter 8 and read verses uh, 22 through 36. And you do that on your own time, please. You're going to find out that wisdom... Wisdom and prudence were with God at the beginning. Same exact word, at the beginning. When the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, created the universe, wisdom and prudence were there. It's kind of interesting. I love uh, chapter 8. It personifies wisdom. But wisdom is what we're called to. And this wisdom is spoken of in Proverbs 8. But I really do want to get to the wisdom right now. If you believe in the all-knowing, all-powerful, ever-present God, then you can trust that when he shares principles of wisdom with you, they will work. Now, I'm going to share some controversial things with you that are controversial today. The wisdom of the world is not the wisdom of God. And so, let's take a look now at this word wisdom. And I don't pronounce these Hebrew words. I just pull them out of my Hebrew dictionary and I work them over. And notice, this is the definition if you would like to write it down. Wisdom, to be wise in mind, word, and action. We all know that all things begin in the mind. 
A thought repeated becomes a word or a deed. A word or deed repeated becomes a habit. A habit repeated becomes our character. And remember, our character will determine our destiny. And so notice, wisdom in our minds is the wisdom from God. Literally, the Greeks thought wisdom was knowledge. The Hebrews understood from God's word that wisdom is not knowledge, but the understanding and application, the right application of knowledge. So you can know your Bible back and forward, but if you don't apply it correctly, you are still unwise. And so this word wisdom also means this, and I love this definition from my Greek or Hebrew dictionary. Wisdom is to use knowledge, discernment, and discretion, producing sound judgment. Wisdom is, is the use of knowledge, discernment, and discretion, which produces sound judgment to speak or to act in accordance with truth and reality. Now, that truth and reality is critically important. My conviction that this is true, absolutely true. There are so many times that people have contested the scriptures in regards to the prophetic utterances, and consistently archaeology has proved those prophetic utterances absolutely true. They did not believe in the great city Nineveh that's spoken of in the book of Daniel. Your family now, by the way, Christine, can't you tell? <laughs> Aunt Christine, there you go. And so everything that you need for life and godliness is found in here. And wisdom on how to be the man or woman of integrity, to produce the relational uh, blessings that God wants for us and for others. And so let me have you consider this. Wisdom will give us practices that are going to bless us and bless others. How many have heard the word from Proverbs, a gentle answer breaks a bone? It's in Proverbs. Well, wow, that sounds kind of vile and violent. Actually not. Let's say, for example, someone is, is hard-headed and they're driving themselves and their families into the ground. A gentle answer spoken in wisdom can transform that person. Can I give you an example? Jesus, the wisest man that ever lived, Solomon wasn't. Jesus was. When they brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery into the temple, dragging her in, it was the Pharisees and scribes who wanted to, to convict Jesus, trick him, and then con condemn him. And they came in and they said, Jesus, what does the law of Moses say? What should be done to this woman caught in the very act of adultery? What, Jesus, what should be done? And Jesus did what? He kneeled down and he wrote, in the sand. And they got really angry. And he was kind of wanting them to ramp it up a little bit. What Jesus should we do? And then he stood up and said, He who has no sin can cast the first stone. 
Now, I don't think he raised his voice. Everybody was watching. Have you ever noticed when there's a fight going on, everybody's like, look, what are you going to do? And there's a pause. And Jesus took advantage of that pause. He who has no sin can cast the first stone. What happened? That was a gentle word, wasn't it? But it was a club. A big old gigantic spiritual two by four. Wham! You know what? Those hard-hearted, legalistic, law-minded men did. They were calculating in their brains. Oh, yeah, we've messed up and we're going to stand self-condemned because here we're judging someone and we got our own issues. I'm surprised he's like, oh, by the way, there's another scripture that says, why don't you take the log out of your eye before you take the speck out of this lady's eye? He didn't say that. I might have said it, and I probably would have said it in that way. That's bad. That wouldn't be the gentle answer that breaks a bone. They would rear up again. You see, we need to recognize the wisdom of that. You know, psychologists have found the wisdom in that. Have you ever read any of psychology books when there's 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 frustrating conversations and rawr, one group starts yelling and the other group yells louder and the other group yells louder and then pretty soon they get physical and it's really a mess? What does the Bible say? A quiet. There it is. What is it? Soft answer turns away wrath. And I was reading in my psychology book and I went, huh, I've read this somewhere before. Where did I read this before? That sounds pretty smart. That's pretty wise. Uh, yeah. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Someone ratchets it up. You be quieter. You slow down. And you speak only words of wisdom. Not to inflame, but just statements. And pretty soon, everybody's looking at them. These people are freaking out. And they're looking at you like, wow, this guy's calm, cool, and collected. And they go, Ooh. Oop. Yeah, that's words of wisdom. But I want to go somewhere even more important. What about family? What about family? Did you know the husband and wife in a great marriage will produce a picture of Christ in the church? You know, husbands are supposed to love their wives just like Jesus loves them, sacrificially laying it all down. Gentlemen, I don't know about you, but that scripture in the book of Ephesians always makes me quiver, tremble, and not in a happy way. Why? Because I want to be the best for my wife. And it says I need to love her sacrificially. And I have to be honest. And I think most of us in here, I hope all of us in here would be honest, that I, for myself, have come up short in that. But the opposite also true. Wives, it says, be respectful of your husbands. Is that what the culture says? The culture does not say that. The culture says, men, you do your own thing. You deserve it. You worked five long work days. You just go and play and have fun. And that's what you do. Tell your woman to shut up and get back in the kitchen. And I'm telling you what, that wouldn't fly very well in my house. <laughs> and I'm 
glad, too, because that's not right. That's not of God. It's not of God. Man, my wife has been burning the candle at both ends getting ready for Oregon family camp. And I got up here a couple mornings ago. Maybe it was yesterday morning. I don't remember. Man, she stays up late to get things ready. And, and I know she hates going to bed with dishes in the sink. But man, she must have been exhausted because that's what happened. And so I got up in the morning and I'm kind of, because I always get up super early and I to cook the coffee. I look, oh, okay. And so I'm trying to be really quiet. <laughs> Me, be really quiet. <laughs> trying to put the, the dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> I go and I slow this, close the sliding door. I'm trying to be nice. Let's wake my wife up. Now that won't be good. Okay. And I get all done. I'm wiping everything down. And I mean, it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. And then when I come out after the family had gotten up, and I went, huh, there's stuff on the counter. <laughs> what was I trying to do? I was, I was trying to, to show my wife that, man, I just love her. Her love language is, is acts of service. Hey, I did something right. It's been a while, but I did something right. See what I'm saying? Is that the Bible gives words of wisdom that builds a great relationship. And my sweetheart snuck in while I was working on Oregon Family Camp stuff. She just gave me a little kiss and said, oh, thank you so much for... <sighs> See that? That's wisdom, man. That's wisdom. Wisdom applied. My wife still loves me. Now, now what about kids? Well, you know, kids, you know, they should be seen and not heard. That's a messed up philosophy. Man, I loved it when my kids would share. Because I learned about them. I learned the person of Andrew. And I learned the person of Ryan! And then I learned about Jake. Let me think on that, Dad, and I'll give you an answer here in a little bit. It'll be, it'll be okay. Man, Andrew's the intellectual, amazing, artistic, awesome. Here's Ryan taking the world one grab and at a time. And here's Luke taking it all and going, that's the way to go. Now, they're all three amazing. They're all three serving the Lord. They all got spanked. <gasps> what? I was watching a meme the other day. I don't, oh, there's my magic box. I was watching the meme, and you know what the meme said? The meme said, just let your kids do whatever they want to do, man. You're, you're kind of cramping their style. You just let them do what they want to do. They want to rip your cupboard doors off? No problem. You don't want to damage their little psyche. I'm going, huh? Well, that's not in God's word. Now, when I say spanking, I don't mean beating. The Bible says, as I've shared before, use the rod. The rod is not a big, gigantic piece of rebar. That's not what that's talking about. Yeah, I know, me too. Can you imagine someone misunderstanding? And as you've heard before, it's in the scriptures. Hands are for hugging and tickling, not for hitting. But there needs to be a tool that will help them understand. That's what the word of God says. Now, look at You have wisdom of God and wisdom of the world. Which are you going to use? Let me close with this. Do you believe the God 
of the universe is absolutely in love with his creation? Does he desire for everyone to come to a saving knowledge of the truth so as to be saved? Does he want everyone to understand that there are natural laws and there are relational laws that he has created and if we understand them and we use them, we'll be richly blessed. The men and women going to Mars, they're banking on not Johann Kepler, but the science, the God behind the organized, ordered universe. And I'm living my life, and I know many of you are, according to the spiritual laws been a great husband, a great wife, a great son, a great daughter, a great brother or sister in Christ. And the blessings come. If we do not believe in God as this sovereign, we'll just do whatever feels good. And unfortunately, what feels good in the moment is horrifically painful down the road. Let me ask you to consider thinking more about understanding how great God is so that your awe of him will grow, your adoration for him will grow, and your desire to please him in every respect overflowing with gratitude would grow. And when you do that, you'll search his word and your life will be ordered as he has called it to be ordered. And not only will you be blessed, but those around you will be blessed as well. Amen? Let's close in a word of prayer. Our holy God in heaven, how I praise you and thank you for your word. How I thank you, Father, that in the beginning you created all things. Things were created by you and for you. And through you all things hold together. It's beautiful to read and study the sciences now to determine, to find out that in fact what they're discovering you have told of in the scriptures. The beautiful history of mankind, what was once thought a fictitious great civilization has been proved to be one of the greatest civilizations of ancient times. And over and over and over again, your word is proved. And as we embrace the truth of your word for our relationships with others, Father, the blessings come, not only for us, but for others. Help us then, Father, to humble ourselves, to give ourselves fully in knowing who you are, that we might live according to your will. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. All right, let's all stand. What did Jesus say to do? He said to go. Get on excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is king. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings, King of Kings. All right. Thank you, everyone.